This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper and the Bust. Thanks. Paul and uh, before this episode gets going I did want to mention that it does end abruptly Uh, when we were recording on Friday Justin had to go handle a family situation Um, he has talked about it on Twitter and Facebook so you can read more there please keep sending positive thoughts I do think things have stabilized but all the positive vibes thoughts prayers whatever it is that you do in that realm uh, can help but there is no normal you know saying goodbye and and outro he did find a good edit point to kind of cut off because we had ended mid-sentence but then we just kind of backed off that player, I think it was Reynaldo Lopez, and, and finished with Miguel Sano. So just wanted to let you know that you didn't get a bad download or anything like that, and hopefully you still enjoy this episode. Thanks. Welcome to episode 606 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, October 5th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by Justin Mason on one of the best days of the baseball year. Listen, regular season's over. The playoffs are here. This is an amazing day of the playoffs. There are four games today, Justin, all four LDS um I shouldn't say LDS series because that'd be redundant. So LD series, League Division series, are playing today. How's it going? You know, I I feel like uh, people in just in the world in general don't take baseball seriously enough because I always feel like like my teachers should cancel my classes. Yeah, for the playoffs. What are they doing? And like work should be can like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't really work work like. I mean, I've got jobs and stuff, but it's... I'm like, just saying for the other folks, for the, oh, yeah. for the peons that have to I don't to really actually... care about anybody else. I just... Oh, I don't well, like the fact that sad. I've got to go to school for four hours today during, yeah, during the games. That's tough. Well, I mean, good luck with that. At least you maybe have some teachers who are okay with maybe you keeping an eye on things. I think they just don't care enough to really well, stop me. Good, good. So hopefully you'll be able to to keep an eye. Should be a lot of fun. It really is a great day. I think it can happen one other time. Um, I'm not sure exactly what day it would be, what we need. Obviously, you need series to to go deep for it to happen again, but we'll see. Let's let's just enjoy what we've got, though, and not worry about it happening again. We have Corey Kluber at Justin Verlander, Tyler Anderson at Ulysse Chassin, Jay Happ at Chris Sale and Annabelle Sanchez at Clayton Kershaw. And the Brewers and Dodgers both have one-game leads, and the uh, other two AL ones are just starting, so it should be a lot. We talk about the dichotomy of those first two pitching matchups you talked about. You've got Kluber at Verlander and Tyler Anderson at Chassin. Like, that is the difference between 
between some of these organizations. Well, and, and you know, both those teams in that NLDS there are, are built on bullpens. They, they, really, they really work uh, their bullpens. Hey, credit to Antonio Sensatella. Yesterday, settled down, gave up the two runs, settled down, pitched, ended up pitching well. And, of course, they went with the opener for Milwaukee, and it was uh, Brandon Woodruff and, and Corbin Burns who really kind of did the work early to kind of get them into the heart of their bullpen. They pitched five, one hit, one walk, six strikeout Woodruff innings. Woodruff had a perfect game going. I mean, like, it was, it was I, great. I love all the people on Twitter. It was like, how can you pitch or pull the guy after? He, he's perfect through three. Like, how can you pull him? It, that was the strategy. That's what they were doing. Like, figure it out. And then you go to Knievel, Hader, Jeffress, Soria. Now, Jeffress sputtered a little bit, but that is a nice little quartet there. Knievel fully back on track after uh, a rocky early summer. Uh, had an injury, went down for a brief moment to the minors, back up in September, killed it. Obviously, we know how good Hader's been. Jeffress been sneaked to excellent not even that sneaky though because he ended up getting the closers job and sorry is just one of those guys he's the energizer bunny type he just keeps going and consistently a strong relief pitcher and you know strikes me as one of those guys who's you know even though he's 34 probably has like four or five more years it just it just feels that way i don't know you know hopefully he stays healthy and is able to do that but strikes me as one of those guys who's probably going to be on like four more teams and just kind of continuing hey everyone gets their turn to have uh Joaquin Soria on their team and he can be frustrating at times if you if you play 11 years as he has you're going to have some bad seasons as a reliever just the volatility of it unless you're just a Hall of Fame caliber he had some one, dominant ones though too. But he's had some amazing ones early with KC. He was tremendous, and then in these last few years, he's been pretty solid. You look at the ERAs; they'll be in kind of like the low to mid threes sometimes. But you go look; it's usually a couple blowups that that kind of boost the ERA. You have to look at the makeup of the ERA. Uh, but yeah, they've got a great bullpen. I'm really excited. It's going to be awesome four games today i've been doing some stuff on twitch where come on during the game obviously i can't show the game but you can kind of hear it through through the stream and and we sit there and talk about the game and everything and so it's been a lot of fun i'll be doing some of that today as well but we're gonna talk a little to 2019 we did get through um quite a bit of the drafts what we did not know was that we had a deadline and that deadline was the end of the season and then those drafts closed on, on fan tracks. So that was a little bit of a bummer. Some of the drafts that weren't as far along didn't really get to uh, even get to around pick 200. But several of them did. We got some really good data. And we're going to talk about some guys in the 100 to 200 range that interest us. Similar to what we did when we talked about the top 100. So uh, just we each picked a bunch of names that we thought were interesting, kind of wanted to talk about. Let's start at the top with Tim Anderson going at 110. Now, he had a pretty solid season for what he did, you know, a little power-speed combo. Uh, I think he got off to a really strong start, ended up going 20-26 with the homers and stolen bases, 77 runs, 64 ribbies, but 240-281-406. That's where you kind of lose me with the 110 pick. Uh, he did double his walk rate, more than double, to 5%. <laughs> Now, he's just 26. He could continue to advance. But that feels a little high for me. I feel like I can replicate what what he does later. Heck, we're going to bring up his Keystone combo in a moment. In fact, let's just bring them up together. You know, Mankata goes 140, and I was lamenting that. I thought that was a little high, but I'd, re I'd at least rather wait the two-plus rounds and take Moncada, who I think is going to be 
at least the same and has a higher upside. I don't know if I can get behind this Tim Anderson pick this early. How do you feel about that Keystone combo? Yo Moncado at 140, Tim Anderson at 110 for the uh, White Sox. I think I'm right in line with you. I, I definitely am not going to have many shares of Tim Anderson, but he's a guy that I haven't liked for, oh, you know, ever. Like, I, I've never been a Tim Anderson guy. Uh, he used to clown him in Little League, which was a yes. little weird because you're older than him, and so it was, yeah, you were it, kind of picking on a kid, but hey. You had you had your takes and you stuck with them. Yeah, no, I was 18 years old. He was 10. It was it was <laughs> just mean. Um, but you know, I I saw the potential of a of a major league player and I was like, I'm gonna get in on this early. So that way, he always knows. Um, it's kind of like my like Gregor Blanco love. Um, so. oh my God. <laughs> uh, my my biggest issue is the drop off in the second half. Yeah, um, really fell off. Like I said, Anderson started well. What what happened in the second half? In the second half, he had seven home runs, uh, stole five bases, which, you know, it's it's that's not a big issue. For me, it's the triple slash. And the, the triple slash in the second half is 231, 251, three, oh my God. 393. His walk rate went back down to under 3% in the second half. Yikes. Uh, it just it, The plate discipline, again, went out the window. I just, it's, it, I don't... I felt like he was making progressions in the first half, and we saw it with, with the big first half. Hit 13 home runs, uh, stole a bunch of bases, uh, 21 bases in the first half. But then all of a sudden, everything that he had been working on went out the window. He stops running. Uh, you know, the power is still about there because you have to remember there were a lot more games in the first half this year than in the second half. So don't That's think true. of the first half and second half is actually two halves. You know, he played 92 games in the first half and 61 in the second half. So, And he was a full-season guy, 153, so it wasn't like an injury. And the halves are rarely halves, but they're usually much closer. Yeah, this was a we're stark like, difference. Yeah, usually we're talking 60-40, not, not this, this big of a split. So remember that when people in, coming into next season start talking about, oh, this guy did this in the first half, this guy did that in the second half. Uh, you know, there there was a, b- a much bigger split this year. That being said, the triple slash, it's the plate discipline. It's, you know, the 251 on base percentage that really scares me. That's so bad, dude. I, I just I can't That's roster so someone like that just outside of the top 100. Like that, that to me is an insane push. And it's people not realizing that he really reverted back to who he has been in the past in terms of, you know, his eyes. So I'm... I'm I'm pretty much out on Tim Anderson at that price. Moncada. One last thing on Anderson. Yeah. Through June, twenty three walks. Mm-hmm. July, August, September combined seven. Mm-hmm. And that really highlights that OBP. That's disgusting. And so, you know, we saw a little improvement, but it, it immediately regressed. It's not enough. Moncada. Now that's a little bit of a different story, at least as far as the walk rate. Still only had a 315 OBP, led baseball with 217 strikeouts. What are you seeing out of him? He's still just 23. Are we going to get that that kind of top flight production that would that would meet his top 10, top five really prospect status that Moncada had for multiple years? I don't think in terms of what we've seen from other guys who've been uh, ranked as like top five prospects especially with the ones that have blown up the Sotos the Acunas like I don't think we're ever going to see him reach that kind of ceiling Uh, but that doesn't mean he won't be a very good and usable fantasy player 
uh, throughout his career. I think he's always going to hit for power. Uh, I think he is going at least uh, for the first five, six, you know, next years. He'll steal bases. I think he's always going to strike out too much. Uh, and that's going to be a big issue. But he does walk. He's got double-digit walk rates. And, uh, you know, he does have a good eye for the ball. So I think that that will make sure that we don't have an issue where he is not playing. Um, and obviously next year he won't have that issue because the White Sox are still rebuilding. They may mm-hmm. take another step. I, I do like some of the changes that he made this year. He did swing less outside the zone. Uh, it didn't necessarily result in uh, less strikeouts or higher contact rate, but I like that 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 seems to be some somewhat of a conscious decision to work on that, and that is an improvement for me at least. Okay. Yeah, so Mankata, like I said, you know, oh, Kyle's here. Because guess yes. what? He's not doing anything in the offseason, that's for sure. Leave! He, they don't get paid in the offseason, Paul. They've got to they've make their money. <sighs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable that he showed up. How dare he? Get out of here. I don't want you here. You're a bad person. Leave. Bastard. He's just trying to make right. your yard more beautiful. He is. Well, he needs to because I have a very small dog, and when the grass gets too long, she gets hidden in it. <laughs> and I'm sure she gets bit by little things. But, yeah, she. and then when it's wet, she's, like, not interested in it. She's just bopping around. It's funny. Um, okay, yeah, so, like I said, more inclined to take Moncada, but I still don't really like him at that price either. I feel like we're almost paying full price. We are. And, and, and that's, I mean – that's tough. It'll be interesting to see if that changes. Because would you rather have – obviously, you're going to take Moncada over Anderson. But would you rather have Moncada or would you rather have Ahmed Rosario going just a few picks later? Ooh. That's interesting. He's only going a few picks later? I would have thought mm-hmm. – when you said that name, I thought we were going to say like, oh, you know, 40 picks later or something. Um I think I'm still going to take Moncada because of the power. Okay. What about is it Cesar Hernandez going uh, 168? Hernandez. Okay. He's got he's got an on-base foundation that I just trust more. Ian Happ going 176. I'm going to take Happ and the guy right after him, Chris Taylor. Nice. Okay. I'm going to take both of them more. All right. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's an, well, what about Paul DeJong going 194? Hmm. Yeah, I I would be in on that. Like I wasn't um taking him this year because he was so expensive relative to what and I was worried about his plate profile, Paul DeYoung's. But now that the price has come down, I think I'm ready to jump in. There's definitely one of those where I, my my tune is being changed on him because of the price. It was all price related last year. This year I think had a sophomore slump, had an injury, only played 115 games, still popped 19 homers. You're not going to get the speed that you are from any of these other guys that we're talking about, but I think I'd rather have DeYoung at that price. And he's improving his defense, which hasn't necessarily been great, but yes. the the new manager is putting a premium on defense, and the fact that he's working on it and really trying to improve it, I think, gives him a real shot to hold down that job all year. Yes, we exactly. We have to remember, too, he missed a bunch of time with that hand injury. Yeah, 114 games, hand injury. He probably or played 119, I think I said, uh, 115, excuse me, sapped some of that power. You know, speaking of like a power speed guy that we know has some issues, he's kind of, you know, boring for people because he is who he is. But uh, Marcus Simeon, 
He's my boy. You know, I love he, Marcus Simeon. He, I, I do too. He was 15-14 this year, and you know he goes 196. I'll take that all I, day. I'd rather take him over those uh, mm-hmm. White Sox guys. You know, and I, I grant that Tim Anderson has more steel potential, but he can also destroy my but average Simeon or OBP has, depending on what kind of league. Simeon has more power potential. I mean, like I, you know, this is guy who's gone 25-15 before. Uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, no, I'm all, I'm all over that Simeon price. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. All right, let's go to the next guy here and talk about getting to my sheet. Malik Smith, another speed guy. Now there's no power here. Speed only guy, uh, up at 113. obviously had a brilliant second half, really sped up the rankings. Pun fully intended, ended up with 40 stolen bases. One thing I do like about Malik Smith though he does understand what it is to take a walk. Mm-hmm. He does have an idea of the plate. And, you know, you sometimes you see these guys with speed that, that have a decent walk rate. They get challenged, and it's like, uh, I'm not going to walk this guy because then it's a double or a triple if, if he steals a couple bases. Uh, let's see what he can do. Well, he held it for an entire year, you know, because he had two small stints, 9% walk rate in 72 games with the Braves back in 16, 8% last year in a half season, 81 games with the Rays. This year, 9% in 141 games. So I think this is a skill that he has. He can be in that 7 to 9% range. And I guess seven's actually the low end because he's been higher than that. So maybe it's an 8 to 10 range sort of guy. I love that for a base stealer. I am generally not a, a big fan of taking the rabbits, though. And so that probably pushes me away. But 296, 40 steals, pick 113. I don't think it's an egregious cost. It's just I don't usually take these speed-only guys. How do you feel about Malik Smith on the heels of a uh, of a strong second half? He had 22 stolen bases just in the final two months. If not for the conversation that I had with Jason, I think a few weeks ago, about him, I would feel really, really good, and I'd kind of be okay with this price. But Jason uh, believes that he is a candidate to get traded, so largely oh, depend on where where he ends up, and if he's still leading off, if he's playing every day, uh, his defense is atrocious. Um, you know, for a guy who's got as much speed as he is, he's just not very good at tracking balls, I guess. Um, and this has been confirmed by a lot of Rays fans for me. Oh no, he's he's brutal. Yeah. It's it's comical, like it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, th- this just tells you that speed alone doesn't make you a good defender because he's mm-hmm. a comical nightmare. So, you know, if he's still on the Rays, I think there's you know there's going to be a roster crunch for sure because you've got you know Tommy Pham, uh, Jake Bowers is still around there, Kevin Kiermeyer. They're got they've got to bring up Austin Meadows to start the season. I would assume. This is a team that's oh, yeah. looking at trying to make the playoffs. Uh, Brandon Lau uh, has uh, performed well enough where he deserves a roster spot. There's going to be a roster crunch somewhere, even if they keep all of these guys. So I worry about playing time. I worry about where he ends up if he does get traded. That being said, I think a lot of these skills are legitimate and is what we've been kind of waiting for forever on Malik Smith. Uh, or at least what it feels like forever. I can't believe he's only 25 years old. Yeah, young guy. So you know we're not we're not dealing with somebody who, you know, is is aged. Uh, there there's some good stuff to like here. And if he went to a team that if he does get traded, he went to a team that is is still open to the steal. Malik Smith at 113 again, not bad. My personal strategies keep me away from him, but not for any reasons that I'm uh, gravely concerned. In fact, 
maybe I should adjust because my main reason for not taking the rabbits is they're usually terrible at on base. They have these these Tim Anderson like walk rates, and so everything's based on their BABIP and whether or not you know they're going to get the hits to fall. Which speed guys generally have a good BABIP, but give me the year that they don't. All of a sudden they're hitting 240, uh, maybe not that low, but like 260 with a 300 OBP. Well, if even if he hits 260. I think we're talking about like a 330 OBP for uh, for Malik Smith. So maybe I maybe I need to amend that and be a little bit more open to taking a guy like that. I don't think it's a bad investment. I don't either. I am, I'm, I'm actually uh, fine with it. All right, let's move on to a pitcher. In fact, we've got three pitchers coming in a row, and I'm really, really excited about all three of them. One up, two down, though, based on how their seasons went. And this guy really surged up endlessly. And I'm not going to every time we talk about someone talk about my 100 percent experience with them in, in leagues this year. But I cut them twice, in two, <laughs> including an NL only man. I just couldn't take the brutalizations every fifth day from freaking Herman Marquez. And I liked him coming into the season. I really did. Um, you know, I love what he did in the second half last year. I thought he was developing his secondary pitches nicely, despite being a course field guy. I'm like, OK, I think it can survive there and then feast on the road. Well, the only thing that was feasting was the offenses against him, 514 ERA uh, in April. And I don't I don't think I cut him then because I'm I'm not a guy who's gonna have that quick of a trigger. But you're talking that yeah, even then he by, has six seventy five ERA in June. It, exactly. And by by June still, he was carrying a five ERA. So at that point I was like, okay. I, and I don't know who I got. Maybe I got someone good, but I probably didn't. And it sucks, particularly in the NL. You know, that's tough. You have to have the, I have the long leash. I waited till June. I didn't think I made a bad move cutting the guy who had a five ERA in June, uh, but he finished brilliantly. Um, you know, you can kind of pick the one start where it got going. I don't know. I don't know exactly when the changes really took hold. But his last 17 starts, 247 ERA in 113 innings. He took a 553 ERA all the way down to 377. I know 377 is not uh, jumping off the page, but if you again picked him up, he was probably being cut in a lot of mixed leagues too. If if I if I got to my end of the leash in a NL, you know he was being dropped in in mixers without a doubt. The major thing too, 146 strikeouts in those 113 innings of his last. Uh, let's see. 11 starts, we had one, two, three, four, five, six that were double digits. Marquez just went off. Now he's going pick 117. So we're saying, you know, do it again. What does he need to do to be be worth that 117? Can he can he do another 377, 120, but strike out enough? Or do the ERA and whip need to improve to be worth 117 in your estimation? One seventeen seems really, really steep for me, uh, especially for a guy that I, I know he was a lot better on the uh, or at home down the stretch. But like mm-hmm. I pretty much, I, I mean, I rostered him in a lot of leagues, largely thanks to Jason, who was super high on him coming into former the Ray. Yeah, uh, uh, but I virtually only started him on the road. So you were really getting the the the, the road goodness, which was, which was fantastic. fantastic. Two ninety five, point ninety eight er whip. Excuse me, two ninety five ERA, eight wins in seventeen starts, one hundred twenty strikeouts in one hundred seven innings. So he was fantastic there. Um, yeah, I mean, hey, that's on the player ratings though. That's I mean, that's the hard that's true. part is he. No matter how well he pitches, he's still pitching in Colorado, and so there's going to be those 
he's going to get brutalized every once in a while. Every pitcher does in Colorado. So uh, I just feel that that is such a hard ADP to because, I mean, we're talking about a guy who at that ADP has got to be your number three. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, credit where it's due, by the way, on the player radar, he ended up at, at uh, player 83. So, you know, he fit in there, a uh, pitcher 27. And so, yeah, you're talking about a third starter there. I don't know. You know, I feel like whenever we see these Rockies, you know, Rocky has a good season. We want to trust him the next year. And, you know, look what happened to John Gray. I'm not saying that just because it happened to John Gray. I, I yeah, love I the skills. Too. I think he is uh, He is going to be a player that <laughs> – this is going to be my, my, my new phrase. He's Otani-esque. <laughs> uh, in that he's going to take a lot of in-season management. Exactly. Do, do you want to deal with that? And yeah, and it, so for for those of you out there that want a set it and forget it kind of guy, he is not for you. Uh, for, exactly. For people who are willing to work the waiver wire uh, really hard and uh, make sure that they're checking their lineups all the time and uh, and and looking at the you know the upcoming schedules and things like that, then yeah, Marquez is is fine and 117 it, it seems like a lot but my guess is by the time we get to february he drops outside of the top 140 okay so you, you see him dipping this was uh we mentioned it last time we talked about shark infested waters for mm-hmm. sure and so i think a lot of the guys that were kind of the chic types they, they they're not going cheap at all there were no mm-hmm. discounts on those types that doesn't mean that these adps are going to carry over did you you ran the tour of mocks last year? Did you compare them to the the spring ADP? I never see? have. Um, I'm gonna. We'll, I'm we'll gonna, do that this year for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm gonna do a three year sample of comparing them to the the the, the three years of uh, actual ADP data on NFBC. So we'll have like nice little data sets for three straight years when I when I release them this year. I like it. I think that'll be interesting for sure. So yeah, I I, I you know. I, I like Marquez. That's a tough price. I'm curious if you'd rather have Marquez at his price if it stays elevated or buy in on two of nope. the duds that have gone cheaper. <laughs> Chris Archer's at 126. You Darvish at 139. Now, Archer at least pitched all year. He was there, you know, uh, making some adjustments, even finished uh, stronger with, with the with the uh, with the Pirates there, I almost said the Braves. I don't know why. Maybe they were in on him, but you know had a, had a strong September, two seventy ERA, thirty six strikeouts in thirty innings. So that's positive. Darvish obviously was a completely lost season uh, with, with with the health, and so he's expected to be ready to go from from day one next year. We'll see. You're passing on both guys. Yeah. What if their price just at at that price or? How much would it have to come down to get you in on Darvish or Archer? I think they would both have to come down towards the 200 area. Oh, okay. So you're not you're not getting them at all, is what yeah. you're saying? Okay. Uh, well, I mean, especially Darvish because yeah, he's coming he's coming into the year. I thought we'd get a severe discount on Darvish, uh, and I was looking forward to taking advantage uh, advantage of that because he's he's not going to have pitched a, a lot. He really struggled the you know at the end of. Uh, last season as well uh, during the playoffs. So I thought the combination of those two things that people were just going to run away, mm-hmm. but they're not. And 139 is not enough of discount for a guy coming off of this kind of injury and this kind of production. So uh, I agree. And Archer, 
I, I haven't seen the changes I want to see in him that gives me the idea that I'm always looking for profit potential. And when you, you buy a guy low coming off of a bad year, you, you want to be able to go, okay, he had a bad year, this is why, and this is where I think he could be or he should be. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel like this ADP isn't even reflective of where he should be. I, he should be going at like pick 150, and I want to get him at 175, so I have profit potential. Because then if he turns back into an ace, the, the Pirates work with him in the offseason. They give him another pitch. It seems to get going. Uh, you know, Then we're talking, oh, okay, now I got my SP4, just jumped up to an SP2. I'm such a sucker for Archer. If he dips, If he dips a little bit from this, 126, probably higher than I want. I mean, definitely higher than I want. If he comes down a little bit, though, I no, I could see myself jumping in. No, not, I'm a sucker. Not, not gonna happen for me. I'm just uh, unless unless he comes into spring training and Jason starts going. Oh, they gave they gave him this pitch and it's looking really good. Uh, and even then, I just I mean, l- let's look at the guys who are going around him in ADP in terms of pitcher. So he's going currently around 126. We've got uh, uh, Michaelis going right behind him. We have Eduardo Rodriguez. We have Kyle Hendricks. You mm-hmm. obviously you Darvish. Now that, I don't even love any of those names either. <laughs> McCullers. I'd rather have McCullers, 153. I'd rather have Ross Stripling, mm-hmm. um, 155. I, I just can't take him there. I mean, I, that's that's fair. I, I, you know, I don't think that's out of bounds to say that that you're you're concerned and you don't want to you don't want to go for chris archer I, I think a lot of people will be passing on him we'll see if that price comes down though and it, it definitely could it also Going plays back- into a little bit uh i was talking about this on the friends of fantasy benefits podcast looking at this adp uh and uh, obviously you know i'll re-examine when adp start coming out in in january and uh in february but i'm really looking at not taking a starting pitcher in the first five rounds Okay, and then just loading up on, you know, two or three guys like Berrios and Flaherty, uh, mm-hmm. in that in that six seven range, and so I don't think that I'm going to want to pull a trigger on a guy in this range. Period, but much less someone who seems to have uh, some volatility to them. That's fair. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to one of the guys that talking about, you know, not getting a discount on on kind of the the sneaky guys that people are interested in it became less sneaky when he closed the season with like a 10 home run streak i mean that's not that's not true it wasn't 10 because that'd be a record but he hit a butt ton of homers in just in the last week in fact david Dahl hit six homers in his last eight games uh really closed strong and you know put up a heck of a half season 77 games 16 homers five steals uh, 31 runs 48 ribbies now batting fourth in the playoffs, is it finally time? By the way, ADP 147, is it finally time? There's going to be free agents. There's going to be spots. Cargo and Parra, I think, are both out. Do they just install? You know, we act like he hasn't gotten any opportunity and he's 28. You, you hear some people talk about him like, oh, they're going to finally give him a shot. I think I even said finally. <laughs> it's not fine. I mean, he's just going to be 25. Mm-hmm. And he's had injury issues, but he has 508 plate appearances as a major leaguer. He's been really solid, 859 um ops with 23 homers 10 steals 
does he get a full shot and is he ready to take off? How do you feel about David Dahl next year? I love David Dahl. Uh, and I really hate the fact that this ADP is as high as it is. Yeah. Because I was really hoping to have every share of David Dahl and I won't at this price. Doesn't mean I'm out. I think Rockies, man. Rocky tax. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm not out by any, you know, any stretch. Uh, I just don't know that I'll be getting him every time. I think this is completely legitimate since coming up on August 5th. Uh, he's hitting 272, 333, 563, 12 home runs, three stolen bases, and 174 plate appearances. Wow. And I think that is largely who he is. Mm-hmm. So I think that, and with, with less clutter in that outfield and the fact that he has really helped them uh, kind of sustain that offense that really struggled down the stretch, uh, I think that they will give him full reign, and as long as he's healthy, and that's a big if. Sure. That's that's the biggest concern with David Dahl is that he's dealt with health issues throughout throughout so far. So he does need to stay. I mean, he only played 77 games this year. He played some in the minors, too. I don't want to say only 77 all year. Let me see. In the minors, he had 19. So it's not like he was the other half season was in the minors. He did miss time. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay healthy. But that being said, like there are guys going ahead of him where I kind of scratch my head on like, I love the potential of Eloy Jimenez, but why is Jimenez going ahead of Dahl? That, there's no reason. That's legitimately insane. I, you know, it's uh, Ian Desmond, his, his, his partner in on that team. Like, yeah, I don't necessarily know that Desmond and I and I was the high pick on Desmond uh, should be going ahead of David Dahl. Um, let's see another one. I mean, I know it's because of his speed. But Victor Robles, another guy, yeah, NCR take because of his speed. Victor Robles is way, like I, I'm so upset about this because Victor Robles, one nineteen, no uh, discount, no, uh, nothing. Yeah, not even no discount. This guy missed the, almost the entire season. Yeah, he's going almost two hundred picks higher than he went in NFBC leagues last year. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Like I, I don't, I don't get it at all. I went on a huge rant on. on he on, went a minimum of seventy four. Yeah. The latest he went was 154 for Victor Robles. Like, so even if even if his ADP drops down to his latest, that's 154. I think that's this, still this is simple. the backlash from the prospect. You know, the prospects that have come up and hit right away and been fantastic. And uh, you know, there were the people like me, and you know, I will say I was one of the people kind of clamoring about his like don't don't trust these prospects necessarily. And I I got burnt, and I I'm sorry if other people got burnt because of it. Uh, but this is the pendulum swinging the opposite way, and we're seeing For people sure. really overrating some of these prospects. We don't know how many of them are going to hit right away and be great, and you're you're giving up production. Like it's like you said, it's not like David Dahl's this thirty year old player, and he's going twenty picks, thirty picks behind these guys. It's uh, insane. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. I mean, I like Omar Mazzara. He's going ahead of Dahl. I know it's a different position, but Jonathan Scope, no way. Dahl, if these guys are going ahead of him, Dahl needs to be higher. But I was kind of bummed to see that he was already kind of at a, at a strong ADP because I wanted him, not because he doesn't deserve it. Because uh, even with the injury issues, I think you take this risk. Uh, all right, Cal Schwarber, 169. Nice, but also not nice. Hey, man, he did all this workout. He did. The body looks great. He looked very svelte. I was impressed. Defense was better. I took him at a discount finally. Like, or, you know, he wasn't super expensive last year. I was like, okay, I'm all right. 
trying to take this. I'll even put him in my bold predictions. Let's say you know he's going to go off this year. 26 homers, fewer than last year. Uh, what are we doing here? More games, by the way. Not a whole, whole ton, but uh, 486 plate appearances to 510 this year and four fewer homers. Uh, you know, the line was better. The season was better despite the four fewer homers. But what are we doing here? I know he's only going to be 26. Is there more here, or is he what he was this year, an 823 OPS with upper 20s, low 30s homers? I think there is more here. Uh, I don't know that he's ever going to untap it, though. I think okay. this is a guy we're always going to be. I, he's going to have like a huge season one time. But 26 home runs, how many home runs do you think he hit against left-handed pitching? Four. One. Oh, he wow. Hit, he hit one home run versus left-handed pitching, 224. This is a platoon bat. And I, I think they'll continue to give him shots, but... This again, uh, Otani esque. I think at some point he's going to be super frustrating to own because they're not going to play him every day. They're they're, they're they just can't put him against left-handed pitching. It's just not working. Hit two twenty four against it. It just. I think there is more in there. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to unlock it. And I think as he ages too, the body will have trouble staying fit enough for him to play in the outfield. Mm-hmm. He'll need to be a DH. He did come in better shape this year, like you said, played better defense this year. Uh, so he wasn't pulled out of games quite as often. But at the same time, I just I just don't trust him. Yeah, I I never was in because the price was always so high. Even the year he had catcher eligibility, I just thought it was insane. He was like a top 50 pick. And, you know, I, I for what I paid this year, it wasn't bad. I only got him in one league. and it, But then he ended up becoming a platoon bat. And I cut him. And I didn't regret it at all, uh, cutting Kyle Schwarber. And I just, I don't know. 169 isn't bad. I just wanted to bring him up more to talk about him and say, you know, what what, what do you think? I would pay this in the right, you know, if, if I needed a power bat. But it's pretty blah. Let's look at some guys around him and see what we think about that. So he's at 169. You know, an injured, decrepit Miguel Cabrera is going 168. I think I'd rather take a shot on What about Maggie. Jose Martinez? Literally going, going right after. Yeah, right at the same spot. 169.0, 169.1. Both the H types. And it depends on I where think Martinez, I might take Martinez ends up. Is he a free agent? Or you think they're going to move him? They're going to move him. His defense is so bad. Like I said, the Cardinals are putting a premium. He'll be 30, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, um, I think they'll move him. What about Cespedes? I know he's coming off the injuries and stuff. I'll but take Cespedes. 171 Cespedes. seems like a yeah. huge drop for a guy like Cespedes. I'm taking Cespedes. Come on. What are we doing? Even, you know, the, even our Brandon next guy. Nimmo, who isn't like a, a, he's, he's not, not a power, pure power he's guy. He's not a power bat, but why is Brandon Nimmo going 172? Yeah, let's talk overall value there. And you're talking about a little bit more of a power-speed combo. I think I'd rather take him. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have – a ton of either, but I think it could be like a 2012 sort of guy, 20 homers, 12 SBs, really good OBP. So if, if he runs wild, you know, he, he could steal more if you want, you know, if they let him and he wanted to, he was nine for 15 this year. So Nimmo would have to improve on the bases for them to let him. But uh, even your next guy who I've never really been a fan of, but he is going down and down and down in price. 183 Miguel Sano. 
wouldn't you just rather have Sano at a cheaper price than than Schwarber? Are they is, not is, similar? Is the reason he's on the list is I would. I'd much rather have yeah. Miguel Sano. And I don't like Sano. Like a, you know, one ninety nine, uh, thirteen homers, seventy one games, a, a busted season. But he's done more than than um, anything Schwarber's done. His last year, his twenty seventeen was better than was basically similar in terms of OPS and homer total to what Schwarber did this year, but he did it in 483 point appearances versus the 510 that Schwarber had this year. So, I yeah, I'd rather have Sano. He's not a platoon guy. Uh, he's not. He, he hit four home runs against lefties, nine against uh, righties. I know that people are going to look at the overall numbers for uh, for 2018, but this was this is just a lost season. I mean, he had, yeah. had injuries. The the uh, issue the domestic violence charges against him to start the season injuries mm-hmm. got sent down to the minors. Uh, I think with Joe Maurer not coming back, he'll finally be able to transition uh, into a full time DH role. Which I know that that we talk about attacks for DHs uh, normally, but I think it'd actually benefit him not have to worry about playing defense. Yeah, exactly. Get I think the whole that that helps. For him to be healthy. Because he's not, he's not a good defender. Uh, no, he's not a good defender, and he's, you know, I think that hurts him staying on the field. And baseball is such a rhythm sport; you have to get into a rhythm and be able to repeat that rhythm. I don't, just don't think he ever got that this year. And I'm, I'm willing to take the shot on a guy going 183 that people were talking about as a top 50 player before you know the yeah. risk of suspension happened. So. I'm I'm all in on Miguel Sano. I'm going to have a ton of shares of him next year. I think that price is perfectly fair. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download SquadQL for free for your Apple and Android devices. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league scoring system. The app also provides waiver wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy Lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.